0: When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even then the night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, search me God and know my heart and lead me in the way everlasting. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made.
1: Good morning. It's kind of a scary thought to know that God knows everything about us more so than us. He knows every thought we have, He knows every fiber of our being. So it's kind of scary a little bit isn't it? <laughs> but thankfully that we have a Lord who forgives, and He loves us, and He's provided a way for salvation, even, even because of who we are. It's great. Well, good morning. it be a little bit down today in attendance, but I'm glad to see everybody. Um, we we planned the uh, uh, family matters planned a field day, so it's all their fault. That's the reason why it was raining outside, and uh, but. Uh, Oh, don't worry about it. We're going to be having it in the fellowship hall afterwards. Uh, these folks have uh, got a bunch of hot dogs out there and chips and drinks and stuff. So please plan on just staying around and uh, let's enjoy fellowship with each other for a while. And uh, it's going to be a good day, you know, no matter what. This, you know, Lord made it, so it's going to be a good one, right? Um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, so just remember that we're going to be uh, uh, having... And the field day, instead of here, uh, instead of out there, it's going to be uh, inside. So remember, there is, uh, you know, a hot dog lunch. It's going to be free. Uh, and um, I was going to ask who washed their car, because um, that's probably the reason why it rained the way it did. Uh, who washed the car yesterday, huh? Uh, it's all your fault. Yeah, that's right. They did it. That's, 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 so anyway, uh, just going back to the Psalm 139, what a wonderful psalm that is. Uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to know that we have a God who knows us so well. Uh, I guess, you know, our God, of course, is the living God, but other religions have whatever their God is, you know, who could care less, really. They're just their God, and they're not, they don't know them or anything. They're just, they're just their piece of wood or whatever they, they have or their, or their ideology or whatever it is that they worship. But we have a living God that loves us, who knows us, uh, and uh we just we just want to thank him. Uh as a matter of fact, in Psalm 139, 23, and 24, you know, the the, the psalmist or David you know said he asked, asked asked the Lord, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Is that something we wake up every morning asking God to do? <laughs> Um, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So that's who, that's, that's who God is, and we can come to him. And um, thankfully, there's also a verse of Scripture way over there in the New Testament that says that if we confess our sins, <laughs> he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so we, we just have a wonderful God to serve. And it said uh, right off the bat, it said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And uh, so that's what we want to do today is, is just give him all the praises today. We're going to start off today because we have a God who not only loves us, but who he gives himself, sacrifices himself for us by dying on the cross for each and every one of us. And uh, so we thank thank him for that. And we're going to begin that. Linda's going to have a prelude this this morning, and you're going to recognize it. Uh, Two beautiful hymns. And so let's just uh, ready our hearts for worship right now as Linda plays. Uh. sacred head now wounded speaks of the Savior who gave his all. It's what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hey, that gives us cause to praise this morning, right? Yeah. So let's all stand. Let's praise them together.
2: i hey.
3: Father, as we just think back through what we've just sang, Lord, on that rugged cross my salvation, where your love poured over me, now my soul cries out hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee, and praise and honor unto thee, and Lord, as we think about that, where would we be without you? Where would we be without you as our Savior, Lord? I just um, was thinking in the Old Testament where you told us to be still and know that you're God. What I pray right now we just steal our hearts <clears throat> and we just think about who we were and where you've brought us to. Lord, we've not arrived. <laughs> that's yet to come in glory, but Lord, we know that you've, you've brought us so far in our life closer to you. Thank you, God, for the relationship we can appreciate with you and enjoy with you. Thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that but God, who is rich in mercy, For his great love wherewith he loved us, for we're saved by grace. (laughs) Hath raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly grace. For by grace are we saved through faith. It's not of ourselves, but the gift of God. Father, thank you. Thank you for the promises of your word we cling to. Thank you for the salvation that you brought to us through the Lord Jesus at Calvary and the great price paid for our sin. If it was just David, (laughs) if it was just any one of us, you would have come and died that death on Calvary. Lord, we're just mindful this morning of your goodness, your kindness, your grace, just in salvation, or not, not to mention all the other blessings of life that go with that, <laughs> all the blessings in eternity and in, heaven, in the heavenlies, but Lord, just knowing you and having relationship with you daily is precious, and we just tell you, thank you this morning. Thank you for, knowing, for saving us. Thank you for allowing us to have a relationship with you. Thank you for our appreciation. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for the atonement you brought to us. Thank you for our salvation. We say, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And Lord, your greatness is so, so amazing. And we thank you and praise you for who you are. Thank you that you're worthy of our praise, and you're worthy of our trust this morning. And we just commit the morning to you. We pray you'd bless Dr. Hesley come to speak, and just have him to share his heart with us, and we commit his thoughts to you and his heart. Uh, Lord, just bless him as he comes, and we commit him to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thought you
4: were. I was amused a little over a week ago when Shauna called me and said, Thad wanted me to preach this morning. And she said, um, It won't be like when you preach, when the elders were preaching recently, uh, you're going to be paid for this one. (laughs) And I told her something that's true. I said, listen, I would pay for the opportunity to preach. I would. The king knows that. And it's true. The call of God... The call of God upon your life motivates you to move in the directions of his choosing. Not long ago, I was reading in the book of Genesis, and a message seemed to appear in seed form, and I began to study my text. And lo and behold, I was asked to preach, and I began to work on a message And trust the Lord to give me some things to say for the service today. I would like you to turn in your Bibles to our passage today. And as noted in your handouts today, the message text is from Genesis chapter 45. And I'm sure in this congregation... I have a house full of people that knows where Genesis is. Not like my son, in um, one of his uh, classes, a class in philosophy at UAB, the professor was talking about religion and uh, he was saying something about the golden rule. And uh, afterwards, he didn't know where it came from. And afterwards, my son stepped up and uh, made reference to it, and the professor said, well, is that in the Old Testament or the New Testament? When he indicated Jesus' teaching out of Matthew, Old Testament or New Testament? Sometimes they're blind leading the blind, you see, in our universities, and we should pray for our children as they attend them and get their educations. Will you follow along as I read from Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 13. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, have everyone to go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brethren. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. It's amazing how many times Genesis refers to the weeping and crying of Joseph. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. For they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come closer to me. And they came closer, and he said, I, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to serve you, to preserve you as a remnant in the earth. And to keep you alive by great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household. And ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry. Go up to my father. Say to him, thus says your son Joseph Joseph. God has made me Lord of all Egypt and come down to me and do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen. You shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have there. I will provide for you for there's still five years of famine to come lest you and your household and all that you have be impoverished. And behold, you I see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Now, you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt. And all that you have seen, and you must hurry and bring my father down here. The words of an old hymn have been in my mind lately. The lyric goes like this. Brethren, we have met to worship and to adore the Lord our God. Will you pray, and holy manna will be showered all around. Once more, let's look to the king in our prayer today. Father, we do bow to worship and to praise our Lord and our God. And we remember, Lord, the lines that go. Will you pray, and holy manna will be showered all around. May it be so in the measure you decree, for we humbly pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. If I were to ask you what were the significant events that happened in the last thousand years, years. You would probably name some things like the Industrial Revolution. You might mention the theses of Martin Luther as he nailed them to that door in Wittenberg that set in motion the Great Reformation and the rise of Protestantism in history. You might say something about transportation. We've risen from camels to cars. And we've gone from chariots and wagons to trucks. Why, we even fly in the air now. And what great changes have taken place. And of course, as Americans, we would refer to the founding of our country and to the blessing of God upon our nation. But if I went further back in history and said, let's go back a thousand years earlier than that, we would have to refer to the appearance of that little Hebrew baby. And the angelic word, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That is most assuredly a significant event. And of course, the teaching of our Lord, and the birth and founding and spread of the church, and of course, the creation of the New Testament, and those great writers inspired of God who gave us so much of the holy writings that we study, enjoy, and apply. Well, let's go back a thousand years further. And we land in the time of King David and King Solomon. David, the warrior king who slew the giant and who gave us the beautiful psalms and who led his nation. And Solomon, who gave us proverbs and was amassed in wealth and led his country to a time of great prosperity. And, of course, the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the coming of the prophets, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and on and on we could go. What significant things happened. We have to mention the defeat of Israel, by Assyria, and the defeat of Judah. By the Babylonians. Let me take you back. A thousand years before that. To some 2000 BC. And God called a man. Named Abram. Whose name would be changed to Abraham. Father of many nations. And to him born Isaac. And to Isaac born Jacob. And to Jacob. Twelve sons that became the fathers of their tribes, and one of those sons named Joseph. I want to do a biographical overview of Joseph. He teaches us so much. I'm persuaded that Joseph is an Old Testament model of what we read in the New Testament, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. And my prayer is that the message today will be a complement of these Bible study groups that are moving through Romans 8, 28. Many chapters speak of Joseph. Like Daniel, he was taken from his homeland, Like Daniel, he became an interpreter of dreams. Like Daniel, he ministered to the most powerful man of his day. Yes, Joseph models Romans 8.28. Now I want to review him in four categories. I want you to look with me first of all At Joseph in his homeland. And secondly. I will want you to see him. In the home of Potiphar. And thirdly. I will want you to see him. In prison. And finally. We will look at him. In the very palace. Of the most powerful man of his day. The Pharaoh of Egypt. Now, let's look at what we read in Genesis 37-2. We see, first of all, that Joseph was a very sensitive son, even in his teen years. He had a sensitivity to right and wrong that he doubtless learned in his home. When his father sent him out on a mission to check on the sons, the other sons, He brought back an evil report. He was no tattletale. He was a faithful, observing son to his father. And he already knew what right and wrong were. And he reported. He taught and learned right and wrong activity. Yes, he was a very sensitive son but also there's another thing true about him and we read of it in Genesis 37 3 he was a favored son how so well his father showed favoritism to him now favoritism of that variety could wreck the lives of any number of people A favored child, a favored son can grow up to think that he or she is the center of attention and look for people to praise and adore them. Fortunately, he did not fall prey to that, even though he was a favored son. He got a brand new sport coat. That's modern day terms for a nice cloak that he got a nice sport coat, but the brothers looked on and said, hey, where's my sport coat? How come daddy's showing favoritism to our brother? And they got so angry about it and so resentful about it that they couldn't speak well to him. It shows us that he was a hated brother And they couldn't even speak a kind word. Now it's unwise for a family to show favoritism. I'm the father of five children, one in heaven, and also helped to raise an older granddaughter. She was a sweetheart and is one today. But in all of my efforts as a parent, And a grandparent. I've tried very hard never to show favoritism. It's wrong. And it ought not to happen. And it led to a hatred. That gives a devil additional fodder to work with. I'll never forget. I was working in a department store several years ago. And I waited on a lady, and uh, we were chatting, and the word church arose in her conversation. I said, well, where do you go to church? And she named her church. And I said to her, well, I, I know where your church is, and I know who your pastor is. She said, yes, and I hate him. I was a perfect stranger. And she didn't know anything about my spiritual condition, but I certainly learned something about hers. She was in a sad state of affairs to be filled with he- hatred. The Bible teaches us to be people of love. Love even our enemies, Jesus said. Do good to them that despitefully use you. A hated brother. But not only that, he was an abused brother. What happened when Jacob sent Joseph out again to his son? And they saw him coming. And lo and behold, before he ever got to them, he began, they began to plan to take his life Where? do such notions come from? We are born with a sin nature. And a sin nature that isn't checked can do much violence. They were making plans to take his life. Mercy. What an abused son. Planning to kill him. And Reuben said, well, let's don't do that. Let's throw him in that pit over there. Reuben was planning to go and rescue him and take him back to his dead. But then later, they sat down to eat in the middle of bad plans and their brothers crying out and suffering in a pit where there was no water to drink. How could they stoop so low and be so evil? Unchecked sin nature. And then Judah speaks up. Hey, guys, you see those fellows coming? That's a bunch of Midianites. Why don't we get Joseph out of that pit? And why don't we sell him? We'll get some profit from it. And we can tell Dad that, you know, uh, something happened. And uh, they put his robe in goat's blood. And they conspired together to tell father that he was no more. And Jacob fell into a state of weeping and refused to be comforted. Thus, the end of Joseph in his homeland. We can only imagine what he might have wondered as he was now a slave in possession of Midianites. Would I ever see home again? Will I ever see my family? My mother's gone, but will I see my dad again? What's happening next? What is God doing to me? And on his way, we see, secondly, Joseph in Potiphar's home. And right away, the talents and the gifts of Joseph became very obvious. He was a successful man. Very quickly, Potiphar saw his gifts and his talents and put him in charge of his household to such an extent that he didn't even bother with business matters. See Joseph, he'll take care of that. See Joseph, that's his decision. The only thing he was concerned about was what he was eating when he went to mealtime. He was a successful man. Joseph was intelligent. Bright. He had administrative abilities. He knew how to organize things. He knew how to delegate to others' responsibilities. And he... Obviously, was handsome. He was what one of my nieces called a a good-looking guy. I said, "Ah, he's a hunk." (laughs) Her term, not mine. He's a hunk, meaning he's somebody special, and he sure does look good. And I hope he gets hold of my phone number. (laughs) I would love to go out on a date with him. The Bible is very clear that the Lord was with him. Now, mind you, he's a slave, but God was with him. God was with him. Godly and faithful people inspire trust. When we hire somebody to work for us, we want an honest person. And godly people can give forth that testimony like Paul, trusting Timothy and Titus, and like any one of us who built trust in our homes and in our businesses. He was a successful man, but the devil didn't like what was going on. He always has to stick his finger in when things are going badly. Wow. We see, secondly, that he was a tempted man, a tested man. Now, Potiphar had a wife. We don't know her name. We'll refer to her as Mrs. Potiphar. What was she like? Probably had too much time on her hands. I mean, house full of servants. She could go to the women's club when she wanted to. She could go and brag on all the things that were in her house and the nice chariot she rode in when she went to her women's meetings. Too much time on her hands. And, wow, she was persistent. Notice what she says: Sleep with me. Lie with me. That was a term. I need you. I want you. Now, I'm sure Joseph had hormones like all of the gentlemen here. And a free and easy woman was at his disposal. Nothing doing. He turned her away. I remember something one of my students told me several years ago, even decades ago now. He told me of going out on a date with a young lady. And when they were alone together, she began to unbutton his shirt. He knew where that could lead. And he shut her operations down to the glory of God. Girls, when it's too forward, call your daddy, that'll fix him. Daddy shows up, you'll be sorry you ever saw that girl. An angry dad will be all over you. And yes, girls can be aggressive and forward. I happen to know that that fine young man who turned the young lady down met another girl dated her they fell in love they were married god bless their home with children and he's been active in service for the lord all these years and even today he's active in a good gospel preaching church amen amen where is the grace for behaving properly and appropriately. But Mrs. Polifar did not give up easily. Time and time again, she tried. now, here's my opportunity. Nobody else is in the house. And there's that hunk. And oh, my goodness. She so desperately wanted him in her life. That she grabbed hold of his garment. And he ran, leaving the garment. What did Paul say? Flee! Flee, you fell lust. And that's good for us older people as well. Flee, run from it, and give it no quarter. And so he becomes a not only a tempted man, but a charged man and the hussy stepped up look at this Hebrew you brought in here here's his garment he tried to mistreat me and he ran out and what are you gonna do about it that was her mindset. it was some kind of a kangaroo court besides what egyptian court would believe the word of a slave over a prominent woman in the country no one no one is romans 828 really true can it be depended on in the deepest of adversity wow do you ever hear about richard wormbrand He was in Romania, and communist authorities put that pastor in jail for years. And during that time was born the seed thoughts of the voice of the martyrs, a great ministry to suffering saints worldwide and their families. God can even have purpose in a prison. Now I've preached in enough prisons and jails and I've visited enough of them to know that being in prison ain't no fun. I'm sure that Brother Bill could tell us many stories of the truth of that in his work with the police department of Hoover. Yes, we're going to see that Joseph is an Old Testament model of Romans eight twenty-eight. 28. Well, what's the next place? Hmm, is in Potiphar's home. But now we look next at Joseph in prison. And this would be no fun, to be sure. And where he was favored. Just like he was favored in the home of Potiphar he's favored in the prison but the lord was with him and extended kindness you see god god can bless and carry out his purposes in his servants even when they're in a jail if you've read many missionary biographies in the history of missions you know that many many a saint, has gone to prison and even been killed for his faith. I was amused a while back listening to the founder of uh, uh, the prison, uh, not the prison, the uh, seminary out in California who has made such a wonderful study Bible for us. And he said when Paul went into a town, he didn't check out the motels. He checked out the prisons, the jails, because he spent so much time in them, was the line of John MacArthur. God can carry out his purposes in prison. I'm doing the homeschool thing right now and teaching Bethy. And uh, I said to someone, I know how to teach college, but I'm not sure I know how to teach homeschool, but I'm learning while I'm doing. And we're learning more about Ann Judson, who was the wife of Adoniram. Adoniram was one of the great missionaries of history. He spent more than a year in a wicked, foul prison in Burma. And iron entered into his soul. He became such a great missionary that he was able to translate. Well, not only that, he created a grammatical system out of the Burmese language. There was no such thing. And then he translated the scriptures into the Burmese tongue. And he and his first wife and his second wife and his third wife, he lost the first two in death. They founded the great ministry of Christianity in the country of Burma. The Lord was with him just as God was with Joseph. And it was a place where he ministered, where he served. Now, he's in jail, he's suffering, and I can only imagine how wretched the conditions must have been The smells, the treatment, the food, the foul air, and all the rest of it. All of a sudden, he's been put in charge of the prison. The prison keeper looked upon him with favor, and like Potiphar, he put him in charge of things. One day, he sees two new inmates. And they were very sad-looking. And he had the courtesy and presence of mind to minister to them and say, Hey, guys, what, what's so wrong? What, what's happened? Why are your faces so sad today? He ministered and served there. Well, they talked about dreams that had. they didn't have anybody to interpret them. And he speaks up and gives a word from God. Well, hey, interpretations belong to God. What did you dream? And right away, like Daniel, he interpreted the dream. Now, this is significant. It's going to have a key role in what's going to happen Later. So he interpreted the dreams for them. And the dreams came true. One prisoner was released. The second prisoner was later executed, hanging. History is full of people who ministered in adversity. It was Job that said, man who is born a woman is full of trouble. What person here has all throughout your life missed adversity? As for me in my house, I've gone through quite a lot, and I happen to know that many of you have also. He went through adversity. And he said, Whenever things go good with you, remember me. I was put in this prison unjustly. Speak up to Pharaoh for me. Wow, well, my goodness. We're going to see that uh, this is significant. But in the meantime, His service was forgotten. In contrast, let's think of Johnny Erickson Tata. She's been paralyzed for decades. I heard her on television give her testimony in Russia when Billy Graham was holding an evangelistic campaign. And if ever I heard a powerful testimony... I saw that little frail woman speak up to the glory and praise of God and talk of Jesus to that Russian crowd. Billy had years before, Nelton prayed in Moscow in a great stadium that God would one day let him preach the gospel there. And God answered his prayer and Johnny was there to give her testimony. Martin Luther was confined to an upper room holding place where he had to stay several months. And during that time, he translated the scriptures into the German tongue and gave to the Germans a modern translation of the word of God. What a man. Well, his service was forgotten. And what a time to plunge into despair. Well, here he is in the prison, still there. He's asked to be remembered. Service forgotten. Discouragement? No record of discouragement. There's an old fable about the devil putting on a sail. It was going to be international. And he was going to make and give a fresh reminder to all his demon helpers of the things they could use in their work. And they gathered for the occasion. And what happened? And what was out there at bargain prices? The demons were looking for things that would work in their nefarious work. What was there? Lying, cheating, division, hatred, strife, fornication, adultery. And the demons were all grabbing them up. They knew they could use them. But there was one over to the side. And uh, one imp spoke up and said, "Uh, uh, Satan, uh, what is that uh, over there you have? He said, ah, it's very special. I use it successfully. And I've used it successfully many times. And you can use it. And it's very effective. What is it? The demon wanted to know. Ah, It's discouragement. Satan knows that discouragement is an enemy of all that is good and righteous. And he can use it in our lives. How important is the exhortation in in, uh, Ephesians? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, evil places. Discouragement. Ever had it? It strikes sometimes. And it's only the help of God that can get us through an unwanted illness. To get us through an unneeded disappointment. Disappointment can help us in strife in our business, can help us in our homes when difficult needs of the children arise. Discouragement. Well, yes, Satan is an enemy of all that is good and righteous. We've looked at Joseph in prison, but what a transfer we're about to see. He was forgotten But let's look at him in Pharaoh's palace. From prison to the palace. Notice, first of all, his service to the Pharaoh. Now, how did this happen? Pharaoh dreamed a dream. He called in all of his phony advisors and there would-be magicians and all of these dudes that would look at things and say, oh, it means this or it means that. Nobody could interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Then suddenly, a memory sprang into action. The chief cupbearer speaks up and he says, Today I remember my faults. When I was in prison, there was a Hebrew youth, a Hebrew youth that could interpret dreams. And he related what had happened. And I can imagine Pharaoh snapping his fingers. Go get me that man right now. I need him. And the record shows that when he was summoned, Joseph got in a hurry to get ready. They wanted him. The scripture says he shaved and changed his raiment to go in To the Pharaoh. And we read. And Joseph said to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. And I love his emphasis on God. Don't you love it? His emphasis is on God. God has showed you what he is about to do. Pharaoh was sound surrounded by all kinds of idolatry and would-be gods and so on. God of the Nile, sacred cow. On and on we could go. But here's a spokesperson for God. And he repeatedly stresses that it is God who is showing you what to do. Notice humility. And his stress on God. That's the way a servant of God must be. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. It's in keeping with Paul's words. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. He placed emphasis where it needed to be so Pharaoh hears all of that. And he was like Daniel, just using the gifts the Lord has given him. In the New Testament age, God has distributed gifts to every saint. And you're happier when you know what yours are. And one of mine is, I'm supposed to stand up and squawk something from the scripture to people. And you've got your gift. Joseph was full of talent. And then his assignment from God. You shall be in charge of my house. My people shall be obedient to you. Only regarding the throne will I be greater than you. He was given a special assignment. And he also was given a wife. And he went about his work in his assignment. We may not become prime ministers like Joseph. In fact, we may never have a position of elevation. But wherever God sovereignly places us, we do well to use our gifts and attempt to minister to people and to lift them up. His assignment from Pharaoh. God blessed him. He's very much into the Old Testament version of Romans eight twenty-eight. The story winds down with his encounters with his family. And the story is summarized from Genesis 42 and following on up With chapters to come. Now, the first encounter with his brothers. Now, look, some 20 years had passed. And he sees these men. Now, he's in charge of distributing food to the Egyptians, to other people that came. And up in the land, his homeland, Jacob had said, I've heard that there's food in Egypt. Go down and buy some. So the sons are going along and they show up and Joseph recognized them. But he did not disclose himself to them. He spoke through an interpreter in his dealings with them. And he was forthright, even harsh in his speaking. And how long can a conscience abide in evil? For 20 years, these brothers had been living a lie and not telling their father what truly had happened. They had consciences seared with a hot iron. And the adversity made them think, hey, God is dealing with us. We didn't listen when our brother was crying out. And this misfortune has fallen upon us. Their consciences came to life in the middle of adversity. And they spoke up. But Joseph sent them home. And they would come a second time. And he told them, you won't see me unless you bring my youngest brother, Benjamin. You remember the story that Rachel died in giving birth to Benjamin. and Joseph was without his mother and his father and away from his homeland for all those years. He said, you won't see me unless you bring that brother. And when the brothers insisted on taking their youngest brother down for a second visit, Jacob was reluctant, but they insisted he's got to go. And sure enough, he comes down for the second encounter. And Joseph decides to invite them to his home for a meal. And they're there and enjoying themselves. And he speaks up to them and said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke? He was so overcome with emotion, he had to leave the room. And he went to a private place where he could weep and wash his face. Finally, he came back. And they're having a good dinner and having a great time. And they're chatting. And then Joseph makes himself known to them. And he weeps, and he cries out. He cried so loudly that the Pharaoh's household heard him. And my. And he says in our text, when he directs them to go back home, you must tell my father of all my splendor, all my glory in Egypt. Hurry and bring daddy here. And the Pharaoh sent wagons to bring back all the family with their possessions. And they came back for their third visit. And Joseph was able to see his father after all of those years. A 20-year Yes he had splendor he had glory in egypt i want you to turn in your bibles to first peter chapter 5 and let me read a verse from that portion of scripture for you first peter chapter 5 there's a significant passage of scripture that can speak to our hearts today we see it in first peter Chapter 5, look at verse 4 with me. This is something he said to the elders. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of splendor, glory. You'll receive it, he said. And look at verse 10. And after you have suffered a while, A little while. Our suffering may seem like a lifetime, but he says, it's a little while. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory, splendor in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Joseph is an Old Testament model of Romans 8.28. Let that be a compliment to us in our studies in the present. And if you aren't in one of those classes, sign up. It'll be a blessing to you. God bless you today. And God bless our brother who comes to conclude our service this morning.
1: you, Dr. Hugh. Always enjoy that, and it is such a compliment to the, the studies that are going on uh, with uh, Romans 8:28. I hope you're hope you're part of it. Um, if not, I guess you could always plug one in. I mean, we have some room at our house if you want to plug plug in. we would love to have you. It's a great great study, and uh, but thank you. That really that uh, really spoke to our hearts. I think just went along everything we we're doing. I want want to teach you a new song tonight or today, uh, so I'll let you just remain seated. But I want you to look at the words of this, and it's called Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. And um, just sing along with us. You'll you'll kind of pick it up. Maybe some of you know it, but uh, I think it'll be one that you want to sing in the future. Let's sing together.
5: The theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of light has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom. Come, behold the wondrous mystery, He the perfect Son of Man. In His living, in His suffering, Never trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam, Come to save the hell-bound man. Christ the great and sure fulfillment Of the law in Him we stand Come behold the wondrous mystery Christ the Lord upon the tree In the stead of ruin sin Hangs the Lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption. See the Father's plan unfold. Bringing many sons to glory. Grace unmeasured, love unmeasured. mystery, slain by death, a God of life, but no grave could ever constrain him, praise the Lord, he is alive, what foretaste of deliverance, how unwavering our hope, Christ in power resurrected. As we will win when he comes. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected. As we will win when he comes.
1: And behold the wondrous mystery it's good to see everybody in the house of the lord today uh, we need to remember to continue to pray for thad our pastor if you're here visiting with us that's the reason why he's not here but he just had surgery uh on his uh carotid arteries and things and so he's just slowly getting better but it's just a slow go uh, he was hoping to be back today, but uh, that, that just was not be, so it will probably be about the 17th. So just pray that maybe that, that will help, uh, that will happen. Just pray for him as he gathers his, his strength together. Uh, thank you again, uh, Dr. Hugh, for, for being with us today and giving the word. And uh, I think George is going to be pray, uh, preaching next Sunday, so be praying for him. And um, also remember the, um, um, the, the field day is now going to be floor day uh, in the uh, fellowship hall. So y'all plan. If you haven't planned on saying, please do that. It's a good, good opportunity to sit.